You're listening to Dirty Feet, a podcast from No More Radio. Vous écoutez le podcast Dirty Feet sur les ondes de No More Radio. Hosted by, animé par, Alison Burns, J.D. Papillon, et Stéphanie Morin-Robert. Stay tuned. We're going to move you. So today with us, we're welcoming Susan Alexander, who is the founding member of Ballet Divertimento and the uh, executive director now. So for people who might not know Ballet Divertimento, it is a school and a choreographic center that is located close to, like right in the heart of the Miguel Ghetto. So it's pretty much right downtown. It's very easy to access and uh, it offers a lot of different services. And it's also a school that is one of the foremost prof um, professional training locations for ballet, especially. Uh, so today we'll be talking with Mrs. Alexander about Ballet Divertimento and all of the services that it offers. So first of all, hi, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. And I think it's wonderful that you offer a forum like this to, to speak about dance. Um, I think dance is one of the lesser known arts and uh, it's great if the general public knows that it can offer them a lot as well as those who are interested in it professionally. So uh, when you started Ballet Virtimento, uh well, it was in 1991 that yes. it, it mm -hmm. was first founded. And there is an interesting story behind that. So could you tell us a bit about how you got to create Ballet Divertimento in the first place? In the first place, I never expected to have a school. <laughs> it was uh, not in my plans. But uh, in the late 80s, I started representing for, uh, Soviet artists as they were getting out at that time before the wall fell. And um, I was arranging for them to have job interviews at the National Ballet in Canada, the Washington Ballet, the Universal Ballet, etc. And then they said, why don't we have a school here in Montreal? And I, uh, I actually said, <laughs> put $100,000 on the table and I'll have that discussion, <laughs> which they didn't, of course, but we ended up starting after. It just seemed that there was a lot of good talent around and that there was a, a dearth of training in Montreal. Um, so I decided to jump in and see what I could do. Dance was my passion and uh, it was, I felt I had a lot to give in it. So... And you've mentioned that you were helping people from the Soviet era coming here. How were you helping them? In which capacity? Like, were you? Uh, was this your job at the moment? Or did no, you I had a I had another job in international shipping <laughs> at the time, and I just started doing this after hours and more and more during hours. I represented them. I uh, choreographers. I presented their work to. Royal Winnipeg, the National, and Le Grand Ballet, and I arranged job interviews and auditions for them as teachers or choreographers, etc. And how did you get in touch with them in the first place? What put you in this position where you were facilitating the immersion here? It was just word of mouth. I'd like to say somebody must have put an ad in the newspaper in uh, St. Petersburg or something, but people heard. Uh, the first one just asked me at a cocktail party for Le Grand nobody will help me, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I'll write a letter for you. So I did, and from there it went on. And I guess I wrote a good letter the first time. <laughs> and did you come from the dance world initially? or? Uh, yes, I trained uh, as a child. And then I come from St. John, New Brunswick, so there weren't many opportunities there. Um, as I said, I was accepted at the National Ballet School when I was 11, but my parents wouldn't let me go to Toronto. It seemed like going to Europe in those days. And uh, so that sort of totally limited what I could do in dance in New Brunswick and I, when I came back to, when I came to Montreal to go to university I gradually got drawn by, 
back into it. I started taking classes, and then uh, it was really my passion. And I, I thought at that point I would use my business studies to help in the arts in any way I could. So, Something that's really interesting here is that your story actually parallels um, quite a large amount of the people who go take classes now at Virtmento, people who were really into ballet, but who then... Um, were apart from it, did not pursue a professional career into it, but then get drawn back into it, especially at the, the school level. When I studied at Miguel, I remember a lot of people going to take the classes and just being like, oh my God, this is so close to my school, and I get to dance again. Mm -hmm. So um, this is something that Vertimento is very well known for the adult classes, and there's actually a lot of adult classes mm -hmm. being given, but there's also a dance study program for people who are trying to to split their studies with their dance training. Can you tell us yes. a bit about how this dance study program started? The dance study program started initially with um, Collège Français. They started a program, and after three weeks, they had some problem, which we don't need to get into, and they called and said, could we take it over? So I thought, wow, this is a golden opportunity. Yes. So for me, it... It was a program that was underfinanced and didn't work, and uh, it was a nightmare, but I just saw it as a golden opportunity to begin a professional training program, and from there, I built it into... Uh, so we started backwards. We started at the college level, or CEGEP level, with, and gra within two years, I had gone to work with D Coll Dawson College and Collège de Maisonneuve, which were more solid and... Uh, and where we could build a better program. And I also like the idea of being a hub and offering, I always want to be very democratic and offer dance to everybody, so I wanted to offer it to English-speaking and French-speaking, and that's, it's worked perfectly in that way. After that, in about 2002, we started, um, I approached a couple of high schools, and we started working with Collège de Montréal, and after that I worked with Edouard Montpetit. So we uh, built a high school program with them, these students are passionate about dance or they want to explore the dance world. They're n you're not sure at that age if you want to go on to a professional career or not, but I think if you have the passion, it's worth exploring. So they do a mornings, they're at uh, the high school level, does their academic studies in the mornings, and then they come to us from 2 to 5, and the college does the reverse. They are with us from 8.30 to 12.30 every day, and then they do their academic studies in the afternoon. And um, it's it's worked very well in that way. Those kind of programs are very, um, they're, they're hard to find because lots of times you find yourself, uh, as a high school student, sometimes your only options are a fine arts high school, mm -hmm. which um, doesn't always get the caliber of training that a center like Divertimento mm -hmm. can offer. Or at the SEJEP level, you have to leave the city and kind of, um, which just brings about different uh, costs, different stresses. So it's it's a really um, interesting concept that you luckily fell into in order to give this opportunity. It's it's amazing because you don't always see vocational st study programs for dance. Yes. So it's, it's it's interesting to see that that's there because it, that that just feeds. Um, it's a little bit more of a balanced way to learn how to integrate this artistic practice mm -hmm. into your everyday life because they have to balance their school and travel and um, schedule. So. Yes. It's always been very important to me that dancers are educated as well. And in our time, 
they didn't. They often left, didn't finish high school, they got into a company and went on. I think that really handicaps you at the end of your career, whether it's at 30 or 40, um, to go on and have to not even have high school. You can't think about going to university. And um, I think programs, uh, you know, in the U.S. there are a lot of university dance programs. There are a few in Canada, and we're really behind in that sense. I think, I think one of the special points about Ballet Divertimento's dance study program is that we're able to take students who necess haven't necessarily been training every day since the age of 10 or 11. If they have, if they're, they have an art, they're artistic, if they have the physical requirements, of course, that's necessary. But we found with working slowly and working very anatomically, we can get really good results with the kids. And um, I would say we're a ballet school, but we do a lot of contemporary work. I think nowadays a dancer has to be trained in both. They have to be equally strong in contemporary technique, which is a technique, and in classical ballet as well. And the vast majority of our dancers, I would say over 80%, are going to go on to be contemporary dancers. But they've had a strong ballet technique, correctly taught, so they know they have a lot of information about their body and how to use their body, and uh, I think it translates very well in any work they're going to do. It's interesting because you spoke earlier about your work with the the, the Soviets. Yes, the Soviets. Um, and then uh, there are a large number of um, Eastern Europeans on the in the ballet faculty. Um, so you have this very old. It seems so. I don't want to misspeak, but it mm -hmm. seems you have a very old school ballet training. But you're very forward thinking in how you want to offer this education and this opportunity to the dancer so it's it's uh it's amazing to hear you speak about it i think um i have really gone out of my way to see what are the latest in training techniques i go every year once or twice to europe and i visit schools and not the big schools i visit munich stuttgart um, hamburg schools of that size, the medium schools that are producing wonderful dancers, and in the U.S., and through Springboard, maybe we'll talk about that after, but I've, I know most of the university programs and what they're producing. So when you say sort of old-fashioned Soviet, there is that old droopy white ballet mentality. We don't have that at the school. Okay. But the thing is, is that I believe ballet has to be taught correctly, and there's not ballet for modern dance where we... There's not... It's like saying you do, you do lesser uh, music, um, classical music training because they're going to be in jazz. No, you don't. You learn it correctly, right. and then the, the instrument that you're forming is trained properly, and then it can do anything. And I think the thing that also stands out about our program is that we work very anatomically. The dancer be knows what muscle to engage, etc., and then they become so involved in the process, and we have very few injuries working in this way. Instead of just saying pulling your stomach or whatever, we access the muscles and we work very much in that way so that they're doing, they're creating their own alignment, knowing how to do it correctly and not just following. Right. Ballet's been taught for 200 years by shut up and do what I say and yeah. follow, my, follow me. That We don't work in that way. We work in uh, using the body correctly. Okay. And throughout the years, how have you seen the program and the, the teaching methods evolve? Do you feel that the way uh, the, the teachers were teaching back in 1991 compared to now, how did that change and where did you, uh, where did you and the teachers get that new knowledge? Where did you um, sort of flesh that out? Well, um, as I said, I traveled a lot and I brought, uh, I've worked for about the last 
eight years now with um, Alex Userliak, who was the uh, director of the school in Stuttgart and worked with John Cranko. And he is one of the top pedagogues in Europe, and he's come many times to spend a week in, two weeks in the fall and two weeks in the spring working with my teachers. And all this work on anatomy has really come out of his teaching. Um, when I first met him in Zurich, he was uh, directing the school there. I said to him at the end, I said, I don't know if I can afford to bring you, but I don't know if I can afford not to bring you. <laughs> and he said, don't worry about it, I'll come. So since then, we've worked a lot. And um, that's great for the teachers because we're always evolving in, in teaching. And, and the demands of dance have evolved, evolved so much now. It's, uh, there's no classical ballet dancer now. Every company is doing so much different repertoire that we, right. we have to cross-train. We we've brought in Pilates. We've brought in uh, different ways of moving, etc. They need to know contact improv. They have to do floor work, even if they're ballet dancers. And um, I think still it's been very slow, and I think most ballet schools do a little bit of modern, and they uh, teach ballet. We, I try to give the dancers as much as I can 50-50. We're probably 60-40 now, but that is the model for producing the dancer today. Uh, yeah. You, you see it in, in the work that's, that's presented professionally in that yes. tour. Is that... A lot of times you'll you'll be reading the bios of the dancers and they're they're classically trained in ballet and then you see like workshops that they've taken or choreographers that they've worked with and it's almost a complete 180 away from their classical training because as you're saying that's the dancer of today yes they have to be yes, completely yeah. versatile if you're working with jose navas marie chouinard definitely contemporary but they want lines and they want people that can point their feet and they want the that they use their body well mm -hmm. and big in space, etc. I mean, the key thing today to get a job is to move. They're looking for movers. And um, ballet can be kind of rigid sometimes, and it's cer that's certainly an element I'm struggling with always yeah. with the teachers now, and we're trying to grapple how do we get the dancers moving. I mean, we can't be so focused on technique that they don't move because by and large that's what you need to do today right. and improv is so important as well as most dancers now take part in the creation they're no longer just the instrument they right. are actually creating as well and with the students who go into the program more interested in ballet in very classical ballet um, is there any type of system to help them in their transition? Because Montreal is not especially known for its ballet scene. There's only one big ballet company yes. that's established. Um, what? Because I know that a lot of the people who studied at Cospera de Ballet find it difficult afterwards to continue their training, mm -hmm. to find uh, work opportunities in Montreal specifically. Yes. It um, depends on the students. We really try to treat everyone individually. I've sent the more classical ones I've sent off to Europe to work in. Um, some have gone to the school in Zurich when Mr. Oserliak was there. And um, I've built up some connections with these schools that I visit in Europe, too, so that we can send a student there if they're ready for it, um, if they want to go on in classical. Most will go on in contemporary, so we've had dancers go on to Juilliard, to the Alvinelli School, to Toronto Dance Theatre, and to Ryerson. I think those are really strong programs. And some dancers are ready to go into a company, and that's happening more and more, but certainly in the initial years, they were ready to get into a top school. So we would kind of focus in the last year and a half of the three years, preparing them for auditions for those schools and to see uh, where, how far we could go with them. And it was always a great project and challenge to see, oh, let's see if we can get you into Juilliard. You know, What is it going to take? Right. And well, the, 
the idea of, of transitioning your students, um, was that part of the impetus for Springboard? Absolutely. That's uh, so many students graduate and they're lost. And dance programs can be so intensive, you may know from your programs, that they've barely had time to go and see performances. They don't have the money to go and see performances. How do they know who they should audition for? And um, it's, it's like a full-time job to get a job. And yet, uh, you know, they have little seminars on putting their CV together, etc. but they need much more. Springboard started in, on a February winter day. I was speaking with a colleague of mine, uh, Alexander Wells, who teaches at Juilliard. And she was saying, oh, Susan, you know, um, my third-year students, I mean, they should be, they've done all the summer camps. They don't need more training. They need to know about companies. How can, you know, they have to prepare. They'll be auditioning next year, and they don't even know what they should be auditioning for. And um, so we, we, we thought, oh, yeah, let's try to set up an apprentice program or something. And indeed, we called Springboard the Apprentice Project at first. And it was just a project to try something. And I said, okay, let me, um, there's a lot of companies in Montreal. Let me make a few phone calls. So I always start at the top. So I called Gradimir Pankov, the artistic director of Les Grands Ballets, who had just started. It was his first year there. And I said, oh, you know, Gradimir, we have this apprentice project, and it would really help. If you could take one dancer, it would open the doors at the other companies I know. It would really help. And he sort of looked at me the way he does, and he said, no, I'll take four. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. <laughs> we didn't expect. We, so we had it up and running that first July with 22 dancers, and uh, we, didn't ex we thought it would take a year to get to. The companies love it because they get to audition dancers for two weeks, two or three weeks, so they really know what they're hiring. You do an audition and work with them for a few hours. You don't know what you're getting. Yeah. But after two weeks, you see them in your work. And for the dancers, not only do they get to experience maybe being seen by from 10 to 15 companies in that three-week period and work with maybe eight of them, they, um, they're seen where they would shine. Because some dancers, in an audition class, they'll be cut immediately. Yeah. And yet, when they're on stage, you can't take your eyes off them. This allowed them to be seen. And we've had dancers every year hired off the stage. Yet, if they auditioned for that company, they would be gone in the first cut. Yeah. So, so, And the other thing is the transformation. Some dancers come in thinking they want to be a ballet dancer or they see themselves in a certain type of company. Then they work with Jose Navis, for example, and they fall in love with his process and that type of movement, and they find their path. And for me, that saves them a year of auditioning, auditioning, maybe going in the wrong direction, wasting their money. Here, they've, uh, they get so much knowledge about where they work best and uh, the type of work that is best for their bodies and who likes them. You know, mm -hmm. it's very important. If a choreographer likes you, that's a good way to start. Yeah. And, and instead of trying to get into somewhere where they mm, don't really... They have to. They're, they're, yes. They may not be able to find their niche with a certain yeah. company. And some dancers will wait and try again the next year, yeah. etc. When they should make the decision and have the information and know not to. So I think it's really saves dancers a year in auditioning. And now we have European companies, and um, we had several invited to go to auditions in Europe last year, and three or four were hired. So it uh, it's really great in that way. And uh, the program, the Springboard program, keeps growing also with the number of choreographers that, that you bring in, mm -hmm. it seems, like every year. Uh, this year, how many did you have? We had nine 
principal companies, and we had seven emerging choreographers. I think we're going to go back to a smaller format. <laughs> that just happened because it was a year, there were phenomenal dancers, and we hated not to take these great dancers, so we added a company at, you know, very An late in the process. And uh, I think we'll go down to seven or eight, and maybe back to five or six emerging choreographers. But it's hard to turn down talent. But, yeah. but uh, I want the project, in a way, to remain elite, and I want it to... Um, I want to know each dancer who's in there and see them and have an interaction. When there are too many, some get lost. And I think, you know, they're there to be seen and to learn as much and get as much feedback as they can. And that's our job to do. Before, when we were outside, as we were coming in the building, we uh, touched a bit upon the um, quality of dancer that you're looking for and that the companies are looking for to take part in the Springboard Project. That's just something I want to talk about right now. It's the idea of... Um, dancers that are either stage ready or performance ready in a certain respect um, and that the the companies are looking for like you you mentioned um, Jose Navas or Mauritian are they're looking for people with lines and other people are looking for more um, versatile I just want to hear more about the the process to hand select the participants in Springboard okay. in um when we first started the auditions for Springboard, because it's evolved and we've <clears throat> learned a lot over the time, we used to do a ballet class, and uh, we'd make our lists, and then we would start work with choreographers, and we'd take the list from the ballet class and throw it out. Okay. We're looking for movers. And so now the dancers have to warm up. We provide a studio, and they do work with three different choreographers. So we throw really different work at you, from uh, Rubber Band to Jose Navas to... I don't know, something from Les Grands. So you're doing really different work. We're looking for chameleons. We're looking for people who are just going to go for it and will take no matter what you throw at them and go, fall on the floor, great. It's more exciting than standing there, you mm -hmm. know, that type of thing. Um, so now we just look at them in, in choreographic work and we bring one choreographer to New York, Montreal, and Toronto so we have a baseline to right. measure everyone on. Okay. And, and is it... it I don't want to, I don't want to um, pigeonhole anything. But is it is there a certain kind of dancer that you're looking for to participate? In terms of like uh, you you mentioned chameleons, but I mean we do have um, two uh, major university dance programs mm -hmm. in the city, and um, I know from experience that not many of them end up in the springboard mm -hmm. process. Mm -hmm. I just want to talk a little bit about um, not the reasoning, but just kind of just where we're at. As a as a as a country and a city, mm -hmm. in terms mm -hmm. of post secondary or pre professional dance training, and how that affects participation in Springboard. Well, um, first of all, in Springboard, we take all kinds of dancers, every race, every height, size. I mean, you have there's a certain aesthetic, but tall, short, uh, every type. We're casting, this year we were casting for nine different companies that all have very different needs for the type of dancer. One from Germany was much more contact improv based, so that's probably something that is more in line with what is done in Montreal. So mm -hmm. that would be a perfect company for a Quebecois to work with, for instance. So, no, the dancers are, and what's great, they're all great dancers, but they're so different. And I think it takes away the stress. It's not like an audition where everybody's trying to be the same for one company. There's all different companies. So there are barefoot dancers, there are point dancers, they're, they're all mixed together and they work together. And uh, I think it's freeing, very freeing for them in a way. They, they just love that aspect of it. Speaking about Montreal, I think that um, 
we're also looking, and the companies are looking for highly technically trained dancers. We don't have that in Montreal. We're not producing that. We're producing a different type of dancer in Montreal, more theatrical, like theater dance, that type of thing. So it's it's difficult for us to find candidates every year. I also think that the people in Quebec who should be auditioning don't audition, <laughs> maybe because it's here or maybe they think it's a ballet program, which it is absolutely not. We don't do any ballet. It's all contemporary work. And... Uh, we just don't, it's very hard to try to get those dancers to come to it. And yet, they make contacts. I mean, they want to go to New York. They might get invited to do a project with one of the emerging choreographers for uh, four weeks in New York. Well, that's great. I mean, these yeah. are, the networking the dancers do is one of the biggest payoffs. Then they can go to Toronto and work on a project and here and there. And the emerging choreographers, many of them, probably their whole casts are from Springboard. Which Whether they're Canadian amazing, or yeah. yes, yeah. Can we um, can we speak a bit about the emerging choreographers and how you how that was that always going to be part of it when you started Springboard? Or uh, is this something that no, came we out didn't of? have it when we started. Um, I have to say, <laughs> my colleague Alexander Wells in New York <laughs> is always coming up with these ideas, etc. So. Uh, the first couple of years, we dancers could apply to be an emerging too. So we thought we would try that to to see how it went. And that's really tough because you're dancing all day and then trying to create at night. And then we thought, well, let's see if there are some emerging who would just come to like to come and work. We have superb dancers. They'll have studio space. Uh, you know, so many of the emerging are working around everybody's working schedule or school schedule. Here they'd have the same time every day for three weeks, and we'd have a mentor to work with, and their work would be presented on stage alongside the major companies. And uh, I'll say after for the showing, but um, so, you know, it's a great opportunity for them to have their work seen. Indeed, one emerging was commissioned by a dance company in the U.S. to do a, a work for them out of it. You know, it doesn't happen all the time, but, uh, and it's come pretty close maybe this year and I don't know what will happen but there might be one who's hired uh, to do a work for a company here in Montreal and are those emerging choreographers mostly from New York or are they mostly from Montreal or a bit of both um, it's open to everyone believe me I go <laughs> I'm on the board of Dad's transit so I speak to all the graduates I go to UCAM and talk to them I've gone to LADME and talk to them um, most of the ones from Montreal have been handpicked. I go and see their work and I say, Alexander, we have to, and then I talk to them and try to bring them in. Um, again, they're not applying so much from Montreal. Uh, and uh, I have to say now that the emerging choreographers are very emerged, and many of people who are applying already have their own small companies, etc., and are working. So we've, we try to have at least one from Montreal every year, and usually we have to literally go out and pull them in to come. And um, that's sad for me, especially being in Montreal. And with this wonderful format that they get to work with. You know, it's changed some of the emergings. Once they work with great dancers, they realize how much further they can go artistically. And it's helped some of them go on to a new level uh, with their companies. For instance, Kyle Abraham. He was presented in the Dance Dance series mm -hmm. this year in Montreal, dancing at Place des Arts, and he's one of our emerging. And for him, that was a pivotal moment to see what he could do or achieve once he had great dancers. So I think it, uh, it's so wonderful. It's a wonderful opportunity, you know. And, and some emergings, Kate Hilliard from Toronto, but she 
she presented in New York and was invited to do an evening with one of the other emergings from New York. So sometimes those things happen as well, which is fantastic. I mean, how good is that for looking for grants from the yeah. Canadian government if you've had a season in New York? Um, so I, I think there's so much to offer, and I really feel in Quebec or in Montreal, dancers aren't taking advantage of that. And, uh, you know, we bend over backwards to try to have... They have to have the technique as a dancer. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but we've had, you know, we have several from the Ecole de Danse de Quebec and from LADME every year who come. But I still feel the ones who could most benefit and maybe even get a contract are not coming, okay. which is unfortunate. Hopefully that'll change. Hopefully, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, on top of that, well, there's um, one of the interesting aspects of Divertimento um, that I've mentioned from the start was classes that are open to everyone. And that brings in a lot of people who miss dance or... Mm-hmm people who need dance during the summer and who don't get to train. So like yes. people studying or even for professional dancers, there's not any professional classes happening during the summer. Mm-hmm. So they get to go to Divertimento. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a bit about those classes? Uh, what kind of classes <coughs> there are? And, you know, mm-hmm. a bit more about the adult program. For me, in the adult program, the most exciting thing is a, a class I started about probably 10 years ago now called Introduction to Ballet. There are so many people who always wanted to dance and never had the opportunity in their life, and they're kind of embarrassed or hesitant or, oh, I can't, I'm 35, or I'm 40, I can't dance. But this class, and we always say, no, no, it's from the first step into the studio, people that are there of your age, it's, it's your chance to explore it. And I thought every school in the city would copy me. Now they're starting to a little bit, but I... It just took away all the um, fear from people, and I think it's so wonderful. Anyone can get so much out of dance, um, from posture and alignment to just exercising with beautiful music, the camaraderie and the discipline, and I think it has so much to offer. And we have about eight levels in ballet now. I mean, people work their way up to it, and... um, We have some marvelous teachers, one in particular, and I think she makes people feel like they're on stage at Place des Arts. She just has that special aura about her that uh, no matter if you're 200 pounds or 100 pounds or whatever, she finds the grace and movement in you and brings it out, and it's, it's, it's wonderful for people to experience that. And uh, ballet can be open to anyone. Anyone can do it. We're not asking you know, the great feats of uh, tricks and all of that type of thing, but just the work, to work correct with a good posture, and uh, it works the whole body and stretches the whole body, and it has so many benefits for anyone, and with beautiful music, and to dance in a group, what could be nicer? (laughs) Yeah, well, like you were saying, you know, you're very democratic in your approach at the school, and that's just, that is probably the the biggest um, harbinger of that, is Uh that that idea that you can just bring anybody into a ballet class and mm-hmm. show them the benefits and mm-hmm. it's an amazing thing to have in the city thank you <laughs> and you also have a brand new website that's up and running now yes we launched it last week and um, I'm very proud of it we worked hard on it and I think it's much more accessible and easier to navigate and I hope it reflects the school and I hope uh, people will be drawn in by it and, and, and come to try. I think it's important if you feel the urge within you, go and try it. Explore it. You have nothing to lose and try a dance class. And um, I think 90% of the people will stay and, uh, and, and enjoy it. 
So for people who are interested in ballet divertimento, who are curious about taking classes or discovering more about Springboard, how to apply, all of that, they can go visit balletdivertimento.com? That's right, yes. That's the website. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Great. Well, um, that's what we have time for today, okay. and we really appreciate you stopping by. It's a pleasure. So thank you. Thank you for your time. And... Um, Yeah. So just to remind everyone, we had Susan Alexander from Ballet Divertimento with us today. Um, the school is located in Montreal. If you're interested, you can go to balletdivertimento.com. And uh, that's it. Thank you so much for coming on with us today. You're most welcome. <laughs> Dirty Feet is recorded every week at the Montreal Improv Theatre. Check them out at montrealimprov.com. Dirty Feet est produit et animé par... Produced and hosted by Alison Burns, J.D. Papillon et Stéphanie Moret-Robert. You can find out more about our show at nomoreradio.com, follow us on Twitter at Dirty Dirty Feet, and find us on Facebook at Dirty Feet Podcast. Vous pouvez écouter tous nos épisodes sur notre site web ou... Vous pouvez vous abonner également sur iTunes à notre podcast. Listen to past episodes on website or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. While you're there, be sure to give us a rating and or leave a comment to help us spread the word. Tune in next week for a whole new show.